0: Alright, so my name is Tyler Terry, and I am our Sunday morning producer here at Chapel Hill Church. And uh, I know it's a really cliche statement, but it's true. It's really an immense honor and privilege to be up here giving God's message to you all this morning. So, um, as a Sunday morning producer, you might wonder what that is. Um, I'm responsible for managing our tech team, um, setting up our stage, tearing it down, doing stage design with, like, boxes and stuff like that, um, assisting our worship leaders, uh, Matt and Peter, and uh, help Paul implement his vision of what he wants each Sunday to look like with colors and slides and all that good stuff. Um, I plan for future improvements for uh, sound, lights, and tech and just a couple of other things. And, you know, all this stuff is really cool. I'm, like, totally stoked to be doing this, and I really believe that is what God has made me for. Um, but I, I really don't get any greater joy than hearing people say, you know what, Tyler? I just really engaged with God this morning through the service. I was just so encouraged and just so uplifted. And honestly, like, that is why I do what I do. I don't do it for... Cool lights. I mean, we had sweet lights here on Easter, like, it was really fun. And, you know, we glorith- you know, we glorified God, and it was amazing. But seriously, there's nothing better when I just hear people just encourage that they got to worship God. And that is my mission to all of you who come to Chapel Hill Church here. And um, speaking of Easter, um, we did bring in some fancy lights. We had a hazer. We can call it a glory cloud, but we'll just call it a hazer, too. <laughs> Um, And, you know, we did things we usually didn't do. You know, it was a really big production. It took a lot of time. It took a lot of energy. But um, as Paul was saying throughout, you know, the whole Good Friday and Easter message, we wanted to celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is exactly what we did. We spared no expense. We poured a lot of time and energy into it. About 380 people came here to hear God's message to them. And 12 people gave their lives to Christ. And that is is we're celebrating. So this morning, I'm up here to talk to everyone about addiction um, and a few other things as well. And now, before you start to think that this is a message just for people who struggle with drugs, alcohol, and pornography, that is exactly not the case. This is a message for everyone because addiction stretches its arms far and wide. It's not just It's not just linked to those three things. Because in our minds, when we hear addiction, we think, oh, drugs and, oh, alcohol and all that kind of stuff. But it's so much bigger than that. And I just kind of want to share that with you this morning. Um, Like a few examples of this is like food community addiction, shopping, spending, gambling, money, technology, power, social media, your image, (laughs) popularity, TV, cars, your profession. Seriously, the list could go on and on and on. Because you can be addicted to obsessed to anything that you like. Drugs and alcohol and pornography take center stage as addiction's poster boys. But in reality, anything can, can become an addiction or an obsession. And I really know what it's like to, um, you know, to be addicted to things. I've, I've struggled with this my whole life. Um, you know, growing up, uh, I used to watch the Kansas City Chiefs with my dad. My dad is right there, and we cheer for Kansas City Chiefs. Red and gold, that's what I bleed, red and gold. <laughs> And I love football. I, you know, I, I grew up just loving it. I love the game, I love the physical contact, and just, you know, it's a, it's a team sport. I'm a, I'm a really big team player. And, you know, as soon as I got the opportunity to strap some pads on, I was in. I was totally in. I played my heart out every game, and I loved every minute of it. Every minute of it. When I got into high school, I knew I needed to start taking things more seriously, so I could get into a D1 school, you know, have a great career there, and you'll go pro. You know? <laughs> I ended up being uh, being the starting nose guard um, for Eastview High School. Eastview? Eastview? Anyone? Anyone? Woo! All right, all right, all right. And, um, you know, I got to start on one of the best football teams in the state as a nose guard. And what a nose guard does is just, is a brute. You know, just getting physical, getting in the trenches, you're on the D-line and you're doing your thing. And um, I became like a star overnight. It was, it was, pretty, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, and, you know, my, f- my favorite part about football was destroying people. Hands down. Hands down. The best part is just, like, just getting in the trenches, just going for it. And I was known for doing something called the wolf cry. And I'm going to demonstrate that right now. That's what football is about. <laughs> it went a little something like that, you know. But you know what? I was really living the dream. You know, I was the captain of my senior year football team. I was all state, you know, set you know, school weightlifting records, had a lot of friends, and I, was, I really was on top of the world. It was awesome. However, things came to a crashing halt when I played my last football game against the dreaded Eden Prairie football team. And um, you know, it was at that point that um, you know, after we lost, like, obviously, cried my eyes out. I was I was upset that that was my last football game. But I came to this realization that I built my entire life around football. Nothing else really mattered. I mean, yeah, my family mattered, my friends mattered, and all that was great. But like, my sole existence was to play football. And That was over. It was done. Like I wasn't gonna play D one football. I don't have the size to play D one football, and I wasn't gonna do anything else. I mean, I, I could play D two or D three, but like, I wanted everything. And I didn't have it anymore. And um, after, I'll never forget after the game. Um, about six of us went over my my uh, buddy Dan's house, and we were all just really somber. He's like, "Hey, let's smoke some weed." I'm like, "All right, whatever." And I'd smoked it. You know, I smoked a few times before then. You know, no big deal. But then this time was different. Because when I, when, we, you know, when we smoked, you know, it just got super high. And I realized, like, hey, I can just escape the reality that I'm in right now. This is great. And that was the beginning of the end. And for a lot of my friends, too, that was the end. You know, I just became a full-blown pothead. Started dabbling in other drug, uh, drugs that did, like, a ridiculous amount of cocaine, ecstasy, painkillers, um, synthetic heroin, alcohol. Pretty much... I mean, really, pretty much anything that came my way. I wanted to do because that was who I was now. I had a new identity in uh, drugs. I had a lot of new friends, and it was it was really liberating for me. And um, I really had a lot of fun doing it. I mean, drugs. I mean, to be honest with you, drugs are fun. I mean, no one. I mean, seriously, like no one would do them if they weren't. Until you realize that. Once you're off that high, once you're just kind of, you know, by yourself and realize how alone and afraid you are, it's just like, man, I got I to gotta get high again. There's just, there's no other option because you don't want to feel that way. And drugs just have this grip on you and they just doesn't let go. And, you know, I kept doing drugs and all that stuff. You know, I went off to college. It got even worse. I mean, I just, I mean, I blew through like $15,000 in a semester And I came back home, I'm like, you know what, Tyler, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do it. I got it. And that obviously didn't happen. And no matter how hard I tried, I was just so helpless and hopeless. It was an absolute mess. So one day I remembered that there is a woman named Deb Jordan. And um, she knows a little bit about God and the Bible. (laughs) More like a lot about the Bible and a lot about God. And, um, we went on a walk and that was the first of many walks. And I don't honestly remember much about that whole experience, except for we sat on a, we sat on a bench in a park and funny enough, that park is actually named Faith Park. And I sit down on that bench and she just starts praying. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then when she's done, like, I just got this overwhelming sense, urge, whatever you want to call it, to just start to pray. I don't even remember what I said, but it went something like, God, I desperately need you. Like, I cannot do this by myself. I'm a mess. I need you. It was one of the coolest experiences of my life. I instantly saw the Holy Spirit come down and rest inside my soul, and I was changed forever. It was incredible. I started living for God. I saw him do things in me that I didn't even think was possible. I was clean. Quit everything. It was awesome. I I lived the rest of my life happily ever after. Now, I wish I could stand here and tell you that's what happened, but that's not what happened. You know, it, it's, not, it's not been all roses. I've had an immensely difficult journey with lots of pain and suffering. A lot of it was my fault. You know, I relapsed. Um, you know, I, I, I did things to people that I wish I wouldn't have done. I, wanted, I, I, I really wish I could just take a lot of stuff back, but I can't. Because that's the past. I can't do anything about the past. But God can. And... Um, You know, I I tell you that story, my testimony, to just just let you know that, like, I'm an immensely flawed human being. I struggle to this day with crap I wish I didn't still struggle with. And, um, you know, I just... I just want everyone just to feel like, okay, since he's up here preaching a sermon, he's got it together, because that's not the case. And I want you to hear from God this morning, and don't write me off, because I'm up here preaching. I am up here, I'm flawed, I'm broken, I'm a broken vessel, just like that song we just you know, sang, and God fills me up. And that's the only reason I'm up here today, is for God. So, without any further ado, let's get in the Word. Um, I purposely didn't uh, have the ushers, you know, get Bibles or anything, because I just really want you to, I really want you to listen. We're going to be going through a few passages this morning. And we're going to start off with Galatians 5.1. And this is from the New Living Translation. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And do not get tied up again in slavery to the law. Now the Paul McVitie version goes, and do not get tied up in a yokery of slavery. <laughs> So in the, in the four chapters leading up to this verse, um, Paul's covering a few different topics. He talks about there only being one true gospel. That there have been some who have come in and distorted the gospel of Christ to the Galatians. Um, he then tells the story of how God brought him out of persecuting the church and how Jesus called him into being a teacher and preacher of his word. He goes on to tell the story of how he rebuked Peter about going back and forth between you know, Jewish tradition and legalism. He then goes on to say that it is uh, by faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved, not by our works following the law. And uh, to highlight this, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, Paul says this, O you foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting, after starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? That's an extremely powerful passage. Um, and we're going to come back to it in just a second. Uh, but then Paul, after that, goes on to talk about his, 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 his uh, concern for the Galatians, about them being slaves again to the false gods that they used to serve. And he talks about a couple other things, and then it leads us right back into Galatians five one, And it says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free, and do not get tied up again in slavery to the law. Now, if we just would have read this verse without any context, it could mean so many different things to us. Paul is talking about not being a slave to the law, because there is absolutely no salvation in the law. The law is there to just point out sin, and um, that there is only salvation in Jesus Christ. And then going back to Galatians 3... After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? We do that a lot. And um, that is called legalism. And before we go any any further, uh, what is legalism? Um, I found a quote by Dr. Erwin W. Lutzer from Moody Church, and it nails it. It says, or he says, Among Christians, there is also a kind of legalism... "...that teaches that although we are saved through faith in Christ, sanctification is a matter of submitting to certain rules or standards. Thus, one's Christian's progress is judged by whether or not one keeps the prescribed rules, such as no movies, no dancing, no gambling, etc., etc. Make no mistake, the rules might have value to keep Christians from select sins, but they are not a substitute for the fruit of the Spirit." Thus, once again, are misused. And this is a huge problem in the church. And um, I I really believe that this keeps us from experiencing um, complete and total freedom that God offers us through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, um, just staying away from your legalistic living, addictions, uh, obsessions, the thing that you cannot shake, no matter how hard you try... If you try to do it on your own, it's not good enough. It just straight up isn't. You will fail every time. Eventually, you will go back to your legalism. You'll go back to your addictions, your obsessions, whatever it is, because it is comfortable. It feels good, and it is known. Take the Egyptians for example. You know they were um, they were um, slaves to Egypt, to Pharaoh. They did all sorts of grueling, grueling work. Uh, Pharaoh oppressed them hardcore, and then God sent Moses. And, you know, warned Pharaoh, you know, the ten plagues, you know, pretty much everyone knows the story. He did amazing things, just miracle after miracle after miracle, and he freed them. I mean, he split the Red Sea, they walked through it, God destroyed the Egyptian army, and they're on their way to the promised land. It It does not get any better than that. And before long, they got complacent. They started to complain and they started to long for Egypt again. Or they started to long for their slavery again. They liked it better because, hey, we had food, we had clothing, we had drink and and shelter. What's wrong with that? God just performed just like ridiculous miracles right before their very eyes. Leading them to a land that he had set for them. Flowing with milk and honey and so many other good things. However... They were taken out of their known, comfortable environment that they were used to, which was slavery. And they were willing to trade their God-given freedom for comfort in chains. How different is that for um, for us? And you know, you may be a really strong-willed person, and you can say to yourself, well, I got this. I can just quit any time. And you do. I I know people who, like, just just stop doing their stuff, but then what they do is they replace whatever that is with something else. And you know what? It can be good things. It could be uh, friends. It could be Bible studies. It could be a sport, a club, playing some music. It can be anything. However, I can absolutely guarantee you that if you fill that emptiness with anything but God's Holy Spirit... You are just going to you 're going to keep going back one way or another you 're going to keep going back and forth because that is what you know, and God wants you to know him and before you know it you're just you 're just trying to follow your rule sanctification checklist that you manage and that god doesn 't and i 'm saying this to myself so so hardcore. Because I do this all the time. I, I look at my checklist. Could, you know, Oh, good. Oh, man, I got that down. Good. Sancti- sanctification happening right now. It's good. It's good. But that's not what God wants. God wants us to focus on his son, Jesus Christ. And as we look to him, the things that you hold dear and can't seem to let go of will grow strangely dim as you focus on him. The free life that Jesus wants us to live is a life found in him looking to Him, and being with Him. It is not a list of rules, do's and don'ts, and obligations that we have to follow in order to be better followers of Jesus. That is not what it's about. Jesus wants us to know Him and having our minds set completely fixed on Him. And to illustrate this, we're going to look at Colossians 3, 1-10. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. "...seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you—sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming." In these you two once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, mal- malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. This is honestly one of my favorite verses. But sometimes I tend to skip the most important part of this passage, which is found in the first few verses. And I can easily make this into legalism. Instead of making the first part of the passage my focus, which is focusing on Jesus, I have made verses 5 through 10 my focus, where it talks about putting things to death. And if I'm only focused on putting to death all of these things, and you know, I need to work on X, and I need to work on Y, and I need to work on Z, and that's what I'm putting all of my effort into, I have it all wrong. There is a reason why it says, focus your mind on Jesus. If we go the other way, that is legalism at its finest. Because legalism is all about you. It's all about me and what you can do and what I can do. And that's not what God wants. And that is, and if we live that way, that is completely contradictory to the gospel of Jesus. And, you know, thank the Lord that we, you know, that we serve a God who says, set your mind on me, and and you know what, and then, and then put to death the things of this world. Because it would be impossible to do it the other way around, and there's no way around it. And what God wants is us to set our minds on his son, Jesus, and he will lead us into putting those things to death. And give us the strength and courage to do it. Also, when we set our minds on Jesus and his word, and we spend time praying with him, we are renewing our mind with what his will for our life is. His will for all of us as a church and individually is good and perfect. We just need to be willing to accept it and to listen to what he's telling us. Look what Paul says in Romans 12, 1 through 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable, and perfect. And that's really encouraging to me, because, again, it's not about me. It's all about God. And God's perfect, and God's got our best interest in mind. And, you know, if you're sitting here saying, no, Tyler, I've done all these things. You know, I've gone to God in confession. I'm looking to Him. I'm reading the Word. I'm praying. This, you know, But I've tried everything. I still can't shake this, this sin, this addiction, this obsession, this legalism. Well, then my question to all of us is, does anyone know what you're struggling with? We can't do it on our own, and God never intended it to be that way. We need to go to God first for everything, rightfully so. But then, he has also given us brothers and sisters in Christ to walk along with to point us back to Jesus. That is why in Galatians 6.1, Paul writes, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Another in James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And you know what? We all need someone to be real with. It's not worth it to put on the suburb smile and pretend that you got it all together. When in reality you are just dying on the inside. Believe me when I say to you that I have lived like that, and I sometimes still do. But I'm here to tell you that is not living at all. You are existing when you try to live like that. You know I've bottled my sin and you know deepest darkest secrets inside, and and I feel like I can't I can't tell anyone because I'm going to be judged and you know just thrown to the wayside because I don't have it together like everyone else. And I'm here to tell you today that is the biggest lie from Satan. And God wants freedom for you. And Satan wants you to be a prisoner wrapped in chains, suffocating the very life out of you. God can and will shatter those chains and will transform you into a new creation and keep renewing you. But you need to be willing to be vulnerable with him and you need to be vulnerable with others. Otherwise, you will just go through life wasting away on the inside. And I don't want anyone to feel what I have felt. And I will ask again, do you have someone you can share your struggles with? Do you have someone you can walk through life with and point you back to Jesus? Do you have someone who can pray for you? If not, that's cool. Because we have a wonderful group that's going to start here um, really soon. I'm going to invite Diana Montgomery up here to talk about it. Coming up, looking good. Hi,
1: I'm Diana Montgomery. Um, We've been listening to Pastor Paul and Peter and now Tyler talk about freedom. And what I want to talk to you about is a new ministry that we're going to be starting called Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is a biblical program comparable to 12 step programs such as Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. This program is designed to help us to overcome our addictions and to find freedom. We will be focusing initially on drugs and alcohol, but Celebrate Recovery can be used in many other areas, like Tyler talked about. Um, And yeah, so if anybody feels like they want to start another area, like For overeating or gambling or whatever, come talk to me. Um, (laughs) Okay, go talk to him. (laughs) So, celebrate. Celebrate recovery was written by John Baker in 1993, and it is now in over 30,000 churches worldwide. It has been translated into 20 languages. I've actually gone through this christ Center program myself, and I also attend 12-step programs. And I can tell you, without these programs, I would not be standing here um, today free from the bondage of alcoholism. Now, this program contains eight principles that are based on the Beatitudes. For example, principle one, realize I'm not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. And the corresponding scripture is Matthew 5:3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So I really need help establishing and implementing this program by fall. So if any of you have any experience on this subject, come find me and we'll talk about it um the most important thing about celebrate recovery is that it not only reaches members in our congregation but it brings people in from the community they have a place to go and um and we get to help those people find freedom from their addictions but we also have the privilege of introducing them to jesus and jesus is the one who provides our ultimate freedom thank you
0: Thanks, Diana. Um, now, since that's not starting till the fall, um, and if you're wanting to talk with someone and just, just cannot wait till then, there's no need. You can, you can talk to me. You can talk to Diana. We have a wonderful prayer team. Anyone who is at this church will help you. You just got to be willing to reach out for help. And, um, and I just really encourage you to do that if you're really feeling just helpless and lost right now. Um, and so for the very last part of this message, um, I was I was trying to wrap things up with asking like some questions like, what's the big deal with addiction and obsession and legalism? You know, what are we free to if we're free in Christ? <laughs> and you know, to be honest, like, I woke up at like 3.30 this morning and I'm just like trying to figure out like some really cool words and like some hip new way to like say something and... Just, like, did not happen. And it was funny. <laughs> it was really you know, funny. I, like, I got frustrated. I'm like, gosh dang it, Tyler. Just, like, get it together. And the answer was, like, right in front of me the whole time. And it's found in the rest of Galatians. And uh, I'm going to just, I mean, that's pretty much all I'm going to do. I'm just going to read the rest of uh, Galatians 5. And I'm just going to let God speak to you. I just, I, and if you're willing, I'd just really like you just to close your eyes and just let God minister to you by his word. Um, and this is the message version. Um, I chose this just because I, I think it's a really powerful way to, um, to, um, to kind of bring, bring things into a little more modern scope. So Galatians 5, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. I'm empathetic about this. The moment any one of you submits to circumcision or any other rule-keeping system... At the same moment, Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. I repeat my warning. The person who accepts the way of the circumcision trades all advantages of the free life in Christ for the obligations of the slave life of the law. I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ. You fall out of grace. Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior. Faith uh, expressed in love. You were running superbly. Who cut in on you? Deflecting you from the true course of obedience to Christ. This detour doesn't come from the one who called you into the race in the first place. And please don't toss this off as insignificant. It only takes a minute amount of yeast to permeate an entire loaf of bread. Deep down, the master has given me confidence that you will not defect. But the one who is upsetting you, whoever he is, will bear divine judgment." As for the rumor that I continue to preach the ways of the circumcision, that is absurd. Why would I still be persecuted then? If I were preaching that old message of the law, no one would be offended. If I mentioned the cross now and then, it would be so watered down, it wouldn't matter one way or the other. Why don't these agitators, obsessive as they are about circumcision, go all the way? It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use your freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want. To destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time you will be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? My counsel is this. Live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the Spirit, just as the Spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical, so that you cannot live at times one way and at other times another way according to how you feel on any given day. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking, ...accumulation of mental and emotional garbage... ...frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness... ...trinket gods... ...magic show religion... ...paranoid loneliness... ...cutthroat competition... ...all-consuming yet never-satisfying wants... ...a brutal temper... ...an impotence to love or be loved... ...divided homes and divided lives... ...small-minded and lopsided pursuits... ...the vicious habits of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on and on. And this isn't the first time I've warned you. You know if you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But here's the good news. What happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We all want serenity, don't we? We all want peace. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things in people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly uh, responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good, crucified. And that is why legalism, addiction, obsessions, whatever you want to call it, whatever you're struggling with is a big deal. It's a huge deal. Because God isn't found in legalism, he's found in his Holy Spirit. He is found when you absolutely just lay down everything, and you look to him and you say, God, I need you. God, I love you. God, I want to serve you. I want to just go and do things for you, because I love you. I love what you did for me. I love that you died on that cross, and I love that you rose again, because now I have eternal life. I have eternal life with my Savior. If that doesn't excite you, I don't know what will. Because there is nothing better than being in the presence of God. There is nothing better than the fullness of His joy. There is nothing better than living life with God. But somewhere along the way, we just, we get succumbed to temptation. We get succumbed to whatever it is that you deal with. God doesn't want that for us. Paul just wrote about what legalism does to your soul, and it's nothing good. And you know what? I've stepped outside of God's plan for my life, and I've done whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, and just, I always end up right back here, empty and just needing God. And that's right where he wants us to be. We are broken. mean, He doesn't want us to go and, and, you know, go outside of his will. But he wants us to just, to just get on our knees and just say, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I don't want to do it on my own. Because when I do it on my own, I mess up. Big time. And then I hurt people I love. I hurt relationships. God's all about relationships. It started in the very beginning with Adam and Eve. All he wanted was pure relationship with his creation. They squandered it away. And And now we deal with the consequences of sin. Whether you like it or not, it is the truth. But he sent his son so that we could have life... And let's not use our freedom to squander that away. Let's live the life that he wants for us. He wants to have peace and joy and satisfaction. But most of all, he wants to have love for him. uh, For us to love him and to love others. That's the whole point. But there's one thing that we have to do. And and that is we need to deny ourselves. That is it. It, it It is as simple as that. And it is as hard As that. Because we are selfish beings, we are selfish people, and we desperately need God to change that in us. And so when Jesus says, you know, to follow me, you must deny yourself, you must take up your cross and follow me. Because whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so, you know, if there's some sort of, you know, (laughs) cool word to say or some you know hip thing the key to this you know sermon or message is addictions obsessions legalism is found in ourselves so what do we got to do we have to deny ourselves and trust ourselves to god that's that's what we have to do and he he will lead us and he will never fail you ever even when you mess up and you are going to mess up and i'm going to mess up i have been messing up he's going to lead you But you got to look to him. And you got to be sincere about it. Because he loves you. And he gave his son for you. And so I want to end with this one verse. And that should be, um, I really want this to be like our prayer for this week. Um, It's found in Psalm 1611. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forevermore. And that's what I'm looking forward to. That is truly what I think we all need to look forward to, is spending eternity with him. But you know what? We can spend that time here and now with him because he's here with us. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to have the ushers come forward. And we're going to sing uh, one more song, and we're going to wrap it up. Father, I just I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for um, your truth. But most importantly, I thank you for your immense self-sacrificial love that you have for us, God. Your agape love, because it it goes it reaches in far beyond you know addictions and obsessions and and legalism and sin. You love us so much, and I'm so grateful for that. And and God, for the people that are just. Um, that are here this morning who are just dealing with some, some real serious stuff right now, God. And, and maybe they don't know you um, right now, God, but I just ask that you would just come down and that you would just just take their hearts and that you would just captivate their minds and, and that you would just tell them right now how much that you love them, how much you care about them, how much you just desire to be in relationship with them, God. And that you will just, that you have pursued them your, you know, their whole lives. And that, you know, you've always been there. I just ask that you would just, that you would do that right now. Because you love them. And God, I and I, I pray for us as uh, followers of you, believers in you, that you would just, that you would just keep transforming us. That you would just reveal to us the the areas that you don't want us to, to live by anymore. Those addictions, those obsessions, those idols, this our selfish ways god i just i just ask that you would show us where we can deny ourselves and what we need to be denying but more than that god i just ask that we would just always look to you cuz there's, there's nothing better than you and there never will be and you are so great and i'm just i'm i'm, I'm so grateful I'm so grateful that you are are so good to us, and that you are patient with us, and that you are kind. God, I just ask that you just fuel us up this week, God. I just ask that you would um, you just speak to us, that you administer to us, and that you would just um, you just give us hope. If we're down, God, I just ask that you just give us hope, and you just remind us how much you love us. And God, I just pray for the the, um, the people who are just you know um, hiding things. God, I just ask that um, they would just. They would tell someone, God, just prompt it on their hearts right now, whatever that is, to just talk to someone that they know and they trust. And if they don't have anyone, God, provide someone. Provide someone. God, you are so good. And I just, again, thank you for everything that you have done and that you are going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.